Well, thank you for coming this evening. Uh, it's, it's cold. First really cold night. I thought, man, it's a little icy, so I appreciate you making the trip. Uh, we're in Zechariah chapter 7. There's two chapters that go together, chapter 7 and 8, as we know. The year is 518 B.C. It's in response to a question, a group that came from Bethel came down to ask, shall we continue to fast as we have for the last many years in the fifth month? And the Lord is going to respond. He's not really going to answer or respond to that actual question of fasting until chapter 8. He's first going to basically give them a rebuke, and we'll review that. We looked at this a little bit last week. And then he's going to basically command them to repent. And the issue that we're going to see tonight, especially in chapter 7, is that they uh, have been fasting, because God is going to ask them, uh, were you fasting for yourselves or for me? And the ideal of fasting is that they would humble themselves before God and they would, you know, seek His will. You know, how does He want us to change our lives and grow closer to God or, you know, become more righteous? But they are basically fasting in a, in a sense of uh, self-pity, of woe is us, you know, we're suffering, we've been exiled. And it really wasn't their fault. It's, you can understand why, because it was their father's. You know, they hadn't been sent into exile. In fact, they're the ones returning from exile. And so should we continue to fast? We've returned from exile. It's the time for the kingdom. Uh, it was our fathers who sinned. And God is going to blow right past that and not answer their question. But he's going to basically command them to uh, rebuke them and command them to repent because they're in a position where they've been fasting out of self-pity. You know, woe is us. You know, we've lost our nation. We've lost our, our liberties, our freedom. Uh, all because of our fathers. And, and God is like, whoa, wait a minute. You're, you're in the same position. You're, you're about to make the same mistake that your forefathers made that got them sent into exile. And as he ends chapter 7, the, there's clearly a warning. Uh, you're uh, you're going to end up in the same place. You're, you're no different than your fathers were. You're, you're fasting, but you're fasting because, oh, woe is us. Don't you feel sorry for us? Now it's time for us to come into the kingdom. And God is like, no, no, you, you're not even fasting for the right reason. You're fasting out of self-loathing, or not self-loathing, but self-pity. And you should be fasting to do these things that are righteous. And then he's going to refer to the prophets who have warned the forefathers, and they didn't listen. And I'm going to show you, and you already know this, but the very same words that Zacharias, Zacharias is not going to be speaking a new word to these people. He's basically going to be going back, right in, especially here, and rehearsing the exact same words their forefathers heard and didn't listen to. He's telling them the exact same thing. So, uh, Zechariah chapter 7. I'm going to read off the notes here. Uh, uh, page 1, I'm just going to read, the, oh, excuse me, page 2. Uh, start reading where the, the, the English standard text begins. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Keslev, that's December 7th, 518. Uh, and it's two years after the first eight visions, three years before the temple is completed. It says, Now the people of Bethel had sent Shereezer and Ragam Molech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord. They went down. The, the temple, the altar is up and running. The temple services have begun. The temple is still being built, but they are functioning on the temple mount. So there is a priesthood in operation in coordination with the prophets. You see the prophets and the priests working together. Uh, and so they go up there to ask a question. Uh, chapter 7, verse 3, the bottom of page 2, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts, again, Lord of hosts is important, Lord of the heavenly armies, who's ruling over all the powers of the air, and the prophets, both asking of the Lord and the prophets, should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done, for so many years. And they're, they're, that so many years, God is going to identify that as being actually 70 years that they've been fasting. Uh, and there's a fast that they've developed for themselves. And you see on page 3, uh, these four fasts are going to be mentioned in verse or chapter 8. The one that they're talking about is in the fifth month. Should we keep doing this? Remembering, since the temple is being rebuilt, should we keep fasting and mourning the loss of the temple in, in 586, the fifth day. Uh, and again, so th th it's a legitimate question. Are, are we entering the kingdom? Is this the new phase? Are we being restored? Uh, 
and God's answer, chapter 7, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, to Zechariah. When they went up to talk to the priest, the leadership on the Temple Mount, Zechariah gets the word. Uh, Say to all the people of the land and the priest. So now notice, they've asked the question, coming out of Bethel, they've asked the question, but Zechariah's answer is going to go to the whole land. The whole land is going to hear this message. Uh, and the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month, and then he adds, and the seventh month, the Lord adds that because that's what they've been doing, he's going to add the other, here, they mention one fast, the Lord mentions two fasts, and then in chapter 8, the Lord's going to mention four fasts, and they're all instituted by man. They weren't fasts that God ordained. They're not bad fasts. They're just commemorating days that they were struck by the Lord in judgment. And again, the question is going to be, chapter 7, verse 5, say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for these 70 years, he identifies the years, was it for me? Was it for me that you fasted? Was it for me that you were, were you seeking me? Were you seeking uh, to have a change? The ideal is they're seeking to have a change. And God's going to identify that change, them to be, be righteous, to be just, to not be oppressive. But they're actually, we're going to find out, fasting for themselves. You know, oh, woe is us. Look how we're, we're suffering. Uh, point one, Zechariah doesn't respond until chapter 8, verse eight, 18. Zechariah does not condemn or support fasting. But point three, Zechariah is looking past the surface of the question because their question indicates they were not yet understanding the problem. Uh, they were not spiritually ready. Page four. And right here I've got a few new things written down. Uh, the problem with the fast was that it had become a time of self-pity and mourning for what this generation had to suffer as a result of their forefathers. They had, they had s- distinguished themselves. We are the ones fasting and mourning for our condition, but it was our forefathers that committed the sin. So you know, now that we're fasting you know, and we're being restored, we must be righteous. God's got pleased with us. And should we continue to do this, or are we entering into this new phase of God's favor? Uh, and I got written down there, point five, the 70 years could refer to two dates, and they're both probably right. Uh, well, the, 70, the first captivity was 605, and the time they came back into the land, 537, 536, that was the 70. They were, the first captivity with Daniel was 605, and the first return was around about 70 years later. But it's exactly 70 years. The temple burnt in 586, and it was restored in 516. So there's another. So it's 70 years from the first captivity or 70 years from the burning of the temple. They both work. Um, Chapter 7, verse 6. And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? You're not doing this to seek me, he said. I mean, he says very clearly. "Were Were you doing it for me? Were you seeking me in righteousness? He says, no, you were, you were fasting and you were feasting for yourselves. Uh, point three there, it says, the fast had become a time for the people to feel sorry for themselves and blame their situations on their fathers. Now, I'll say this too, point A, they should have been fasting to avoid making the same mistakes their fathers had made. I spelled that wrong, not fathers had mad. And they should have been focusing on not being like their fathers instead of fasting in self-pity. Now, there, again, you can see the connection. They, they hadn't committed the sin. They were just on the other side of the, the, the repercussions, the judgment. And so they're fasting because, oh, look at what we inherited. Look how sorry we are uh, for our condition. Uh, but we're not like our forefathers. And God is going to say, you're exactly like your forefathers. Now, again, the application would be, as we read the Old Testament, uh, as I read about the, the disciples, as I read about the churches that were disobeying the Word of God in the New Testament letters, it's like, yeah, those people, but it's like, okay, instead of just, the idea is not just look at all those bad examples, it's like, make that a little more internal. It's like, how close am I to the days of the judges myself? How close am I to uh, the disciples who didn't understand or who were not obedient? How close am I to the mistakes the church has made, if it be the Galatian church or the Corinthian church, it's like instead of saying, oh, yes, I, I'm a Bible teacher, I can make this, uh, that's what you shouldn't do, you should be more like me. It's like, well, that's, that's not the idea. The ideal is, look at the mistakes they made, how am I doing the, exa- how am I being unrighteous or unjust or being part of the oppression or part of the problem? 
uh, what, what kind of, and that's kind of what God, why are you fasting? You're looking back, okay, our forefathers did this. Look at what resulted. Oh, man, we are so far missing the mark. We should fast and seek God and, and, and have God reflect on us what he wants us to be, and we can pursue that. And that's really not what they were doing. And that's why God is going to rebuke them and then cause them to repent. And he says right here, uh, and when you eat and when you drink, do you eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Chapter 7, verse 7 on page 4. Were not these the words the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets? I mean, this is exactly what the former prophets told your fathers is exactly what I'm going to say to you. The Lord's going to say the exact same thing. And this was when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous, when her cities all around her, the south and the lowlands were inhabited. So the cities are full. Uh, the, the Negev is kind of a desert area today, but in the flourishing days of the kingdom, uh, you know, during the days of the kings uh, before the fall, that, was, that would be a fertile area. That would be, that have crops growing, that is a great place for uh, grazing. Same thing going towards the coastal plain, coming out of the hills. There, there was fertile lands there, and it was prosperous. And the people were living in prosperity, but were far from God. And the prophets came and says, be careful, you are not in line. You're being oppressive. You're not living righteously. You're not handing out just decrees. Uh, and you're in danger of being judged. And they couldn't hear it. Now, we're going to see this come up. We talked about it last night. We we're going to talk about the, the God is going to uh, stop them from hearing, blind their eyes, but that's going to come after they have done it. They are going to, because, well, the, they're living in disobedience in the days of the former prophets, and the prophets come and say, you need a change. They dismissed it. They dismissed it. They wouldn't hear, and then God is finally going to say, okay, well, now I'm going to stop. Now you will not be able to hear. So it seems to be, and we talked about this last night, there seems to be that time. Same thing, Pharaoh hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, then God says, okay, now I'm going to harden your heart. So it's not like God comes right out of the blocks and starts hardening people's hearts. It's they harden or they won't listen. They're, they're not responding. And there's a certain time, and we all are like that. There's a, I mean, we, I think we still go through that, a time where we, as we're going through life, we, we disobey, we disobey, and finally it's like, I, I've got to get this right. And, and, you, and you turn around and fix it. Well, there's a time where you, you disobey, you disobey, you disobey, and God says, well, okay, that was the last time. And now he draws a line and now you can't come back, and he just leads you into destruction. I'd say, well, that sounds harsh. Well, that, I mean, life is like that. I mean, if it doesn't happen in life, it happens at the point of death. If you don't agree with what I just said, for example, you know, you disobey God, God warns you, you disobey God, God warns you, and, and you continue, like Pharaoh, and then you cross a line where God says, okay, you, you can't come back, and you continue to disobey God, and he just leads you to your judgment. Uh, that can happen in life. You say, well, that, that, that's not the way God would be. Well, that's the way life is. I mean, when you die, if, if, that, if that line doesn't happen in life, it happens at death, and everyone would agree with that. It's like you're with God or you, you're without God. And the people of, of Jeremiah's life ministry, they had come to a point where Jeremiah warned them and warned them. They're living in prosperity. And pretty soon it's like, okay, you won't repent in prosperity now. I'm going to lead you down into judgment. Well, and we can see that. And it's coming up. We've got some verses coming up. And it's similar, very similar to what we talked about last night in Mark because it's like the Lord is saying, you know, he was quoting Isaiah to the, his own generation. So that has to mean there's a period of them hearing and rejecting before they got there. Chapter 7, verse 7 on page 4. Were not these the words the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with, with her cities around her and the south, that's in the Gev, and the lowlands were inhabited. Um, point two, the people of 518 B.C. that Zechariah spoke to were in danger of the very same thing. The former prophets spoke to these people and they didn't listen. Now in 518, the Lord is speaking to, he, right here, he's going to rebuke them, he's going to be speaking so you better, if you have ears to hear, we would say using Jesus' words, they had better start hearing because if they don't, they're going to end up making the same mistake. Uh, point three, Zechariah did not provide a new word from the Lord. We're going to see in just a moment the exact same qualifications that the former prophets demanded, Zechariah is demanding, and we would demand of our culture and ourselves today. And uh, that would be a good time. Isaiah chapter 1, verse, go to Isaiah in your Bibles, if you would, please. Isaiah, we'll read two sections here. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and while you're doing that, and you can also turn to page five of your notes, I'm going to read ahead now because right here he's, he's rebuking them and now he's going to call them to repent. He just told them, this is what I said to your forefathers, he rebukes them. They, they basically, should we keep fasting or is this time over? And it's like, come on, you don't even understand. You're fasting for, you're just in self-pity and rebukes them. Now, in beginning in verse 8 of chapter 7, he's going to start demanding repentance. So I'm going to read those verses, then we'll go back and read Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness, and mercy to, the, to one another. And we'll talk about those words we talked about a little bit last week. So, uh, render true ju- judgments, judgments, kindness, mercy, and then go to verse 10. These are the negatives. Do not oppress the widow, and now list four, four groups. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, which would be the alien, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. So this group, this delegation, leads to the whole, the priests and the whole nation being rebuked, meaning you haven't been fasting for the right reason, otherwise you would be overcoming these things you've been fasting just because you feel sorry for yourself generally and now comes the command to repent and now you just heard those words that we just read now look in uh isaiah chapter one and i've got it highlighted on the bottom of page four chapter one verse ten of of isaiah hear the word of the lord you rulers of sodom listen to the law of your god you people of, of gomorrah now, he's, that would be probably Sodom and Gomorrah are gone in 701 B.C. or 737 when this word is probably coming. It's probably referring to Judah and Jerusalem. The multitude, of your, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings. So this, this, we were kind of talking about this on, on Sunday. And, and, yeah, I think it was mainly Sunday talking in james where james is in the book of james is not abandoning the law or the torah he's just demanding that you continue to follow the torah and bring it out in social justice he's not so much of we need to have you following the sacrifice the book of hebrews was don't be going back and don't follow these sacrifices that's the old covenant's gone but that doesn't neglect the fact that we still need to have justice in our society and so james is not adamant about going to the temple and offering the sacrifices, but James is adamant you continue to follow the Torah or follow the law of Moses in a sense of being just in your behavior. And here it is right here. God's saying the same thing Isaiah. I have more than enough of burnt offerings or of rams and of fat, of the fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocation. I mean, Isaiah is rejecting the entire religious ritual system. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. They're coming together on the Temple Mount, but they're evil assemblies. They're following the law of Moses, in a sense, to the letter, uh, but they don't, they're not doing it right. Your new moon, your festivals, and your appointed feasts my soul hates they have become a burden to me i am weary of bearing them Uh, when you spread out your hands in prayer i will hide my eyes from you that's interesting we're praying god says you don't have the right motive i'm hiding even if you offer many prayers i will not listen here here's the part i'm looking for your hands are full of blood that's in that's in their society you're bringing the sacrifices you're praying you're in an assembly on the temple mount right here but when you go out into society your hands are full of blood wash and make yourself clean take your evil deeds out of my sight stop doing wrong learn to do right seek justice encourage the oppressed defend the cause of the fatherless plead the case of the widow so you can hear the same idea there of righteousness justice stop oppressing people we're not even think we're not talking about what's going on in society we're talking about here in the presence of the lord on the temple mount god says i'm tired of this temple mount stuff i'm looking at you in your life you're you're oppressive you're not just you're you're not living righteously and so that that's isaiah and that is exactly what zachariah is saying to 
the people. Go to Isaiah, okay, on the notes, page 4.4, Isaiah 1, 10 through 17, I point, notice, hands are full of blood, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Um, And then Isaiah 58, go to Isaiah 58, at the end of Isaiah, here it talks about fasting, chapter 58, verses 1 through 7. Shout it aloud. I mean, Isaiah 58, verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does, not, does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So even in Isaiah's day, the people were fasting, but God's saying, no, that's, you're not even got the right attitude. Very similar to these people. Should we continue to fast, they ask in 518 B.C., and God says, were you fasting for me? No, you're fasting for yourselves. And Isaiah in 701 the same thing was true. They were fasting, but God says, I, I, don't, I don't even see it. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Now, does that sound like James? We're going to be getting to James on Sunday. And one of the things is the rich oppressing the poor. The, the laborers of your field are crying out for their wages. You're making money, but you're not paying the workers. You're just creating more and more oppressed. Because the more oppressed you get the people, the more money you make, the more they depend on you, and you just drive the people, drive the middle class into poverty. Uh, here he says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voices to be heard on high. So there Isaiah's uh, well, here, verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself or feel sorry for himself and how bad it is? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Here it is. What, does God, what kind of fasting does God want? To loose the chains of injustice... Untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free. Now that's very that's very interesting. Uh, without trying to make too much connection to our culture, we are in a culture that is not. Oh, they say they, 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 the social warriors say they are, but actually the actions of our government and our society is actually creating more oppressed than it is loosening the chains on the oppressed. Uh, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see him, uh, see the naked and clothing, it goes on, talks like that. And on the bottom of page four, I write these things out of those verses. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrels. And point D, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? Loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, and break every yoke. Uh, On page 5.6, the Lord was not pleased with the fasting of 518, just like the former prophets said he was not pleased with them fasting in in Isaiah's day. Or we could go to Jeremiah, see something similar. Um, because it was, only, it was not godly sorrow for sin. They were not sorry for their sin, uh, and, which would lead to a change. They were uh, demonstrating a selfish regret for having lost their nation. They're, they're, see, they were fasting those 70 years, but now that they're back in the land, the temple's being built. Looks like we're coming into the kingdom. Things are good. Should we keep fasting? It's like, we fasted all these years. God says, for 70 years, you just basically fasted because you felt sorry for yourself woe is us look at us mourn and it's like you never did do the things that true fasting like the prophets was trying to communicate the former prophets 
you still haven't heard. They, the point is, the people still have not heard Isaiah and Jeremiah's warning. They've gone into captivity, they've come back, and they, okay, we're ready, and they're right back where they were. And Jeremiah, Zechariah is saying, you're in big trouble, because you're going to do the same exact thing. Their fasting showed no hope of repentance or improvement. They pitied themselves, but did not fear the Lord. Now, chapter 7, verse 8, that begins this part of the repentance that we just read part of it. Um, and the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. That, see, that's right out of Isaiah. Zechariah is saying the same thing. True judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. There's going to be, at this point, there's going to be three positive and two negatives. Uh, three things they should do, two things they should not do. That's coming up, and we'll look at them quickly again here. Execute true judgments. Uh, the idea here is not, this is not just true judgments for a court system. This is the entire nation can do this. This is, everyone's responsible. It's not like they're handing out a judicial decision, but when you interact with people, it should be true. The true justice being not based on what you think is right, based on your law system or your social code but based on the lord you need to have true justice you need to know the lord so his way can reflect in you and you can judge things according to his standard not look at not the standards of 2022 which are different than the standards of 2012 which are different than the standards of 1962 which are different in a different country it's like know the lord and match his true justice uh there's verses written there. The point, uh, show kindness, that is again a, a good word. That comes from the word hasid, which is covenant loyalty, uh, meaning you're going to show kindness based on a commitment uh, that you've made to your fellow man. If it be marriage, if it be in a community, if it be in business, you're going to show what is mercy or kindness. And then the last one, show mercy to one another, which is a word, rahem, which comes from the word womb which connects the ideal of the, the compassion a mother would have on the fruit of her womb. That is the kind of com where that word comes from. So compassion is that same kind of sympathy. It's like you're the one that's able to hand it down, and it should be a natural one. Again, last week we mentioned that and questioned how we can even understand that in our own age. Uh, point three, less focus on fasting and remembering the past and begin to do what the forefathers failed to do. That's what the point is. And instead of fasting for your forefathers' failure that resulted in destruction, overthrow, begin to do what your forefathers failed to do. I'm turning the page, page 6. Chapter 7, verse 10. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the so. These are the two negatives. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner. And you can replace the word sojourner with alien or the poor. And let none of you, you devise evil, evil against one another in your hearts. So how the, that's... Those that are less fortunate than you, that, that are under you, that you could oppress, stop oppressing them. And your peers, stop planning evil against your peers. So right there, you should do these positive things, but the two negative things, those that you have power over, stop oppressing them. Those that you are equal with, stop pl plotting evil and scheming to try and undermine them and destroy them. Trying to get them in the same position the oppressed are. Uh, Point, uh, you got that written down there. Do not oppress, do not devise evil. Point two, uh, the opposite of do not oppress the poor would be to, I write this, to devise a social system that actually creates more. So if you are in a society that is trying to deliver the poor out of poverty, out of oppression, that's one thing. But if you're in a society that's cr trying to drive more people into poverty, or watch this, create more sojourners, which is another word for aliens. Create a society where there's more aliens. Now, you should be helping set the alien free, uh, welcome the alien. And I, our culture is in a position where it's like, oh, uh, this open border stuff. Ah, they're coming across the border. We're, we're going to welcome them. We want them to be part of our society. It's like, is, are, are you... Are, do you think the elite of our society is looking to bring more people across the border and welcome them into the class of the elite? Or are the elite of our society trying to drive the middle class into poverty 
and bringing the aliens over so that they've got even more to oppress. I mean, are they really bringing them here to exalt them? Or are they bringing them here to exploit them? I mean, that, who can answer that question? Well, right here, the ideal of godliness would be that you're trying to set them free, break the yokes, uh, get people out of poverty, get people out of being oppressed. So that would mean our nation would be very, very in tune with God of trying to bring the alien across to help lift them up into our society and make them equal in the classes of the elite and not oppress them. So if you believe that, uh, then, of course, our, our open border policy is right in line with God. Bring the alien in. We're going to exalt them and, and give them all the freedoms our people have. Well, wait. Aren't the middle class of our culture losing freedoms as the elite take them away, as they bring the aliens over? I think they're just bringing more people into this place of oppression. And so I would say that we're in a, a situation, and it's point three, this is basic fourth generation sins and things we talked about in Proverbs 30 last week. We are exactly where we should be in, in the fourth generation. They're lying, they're deceiving. You heard the word gaslighting, right? And they said that's the word of the year. Did you hear that? I heard that several places, gaslighting. And that's what it is. They're, 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 they're talking about this world that doesn't exist. It's like, oh, here's what we're doing. It's like, no, no, no. This is what you're doing, I, I would say. It's, it's not this, this you know, nice talking points and they care. It's like you're gaslighting. That's the use of this new word or you know, the popular word. Uh, but this is actually what's taking place. Otherwise, if, if that's not the case, then our culture, if we are not doing this, then we are actually in line with God's will doing the very, we, we, we are righteous, just generation. Uh, and there may be just a few examples of things falling apart different, or different individuals, but as a whole, we're a righteous generation. And I think it'd be more the other way, that there may be a few individuals or corporations that are doing some righteous things, but the vast majority of our culture is getting sucked down into more and more evil and more oppression. Anyway, uh, that's, we're not talking about 2022 right now. We're talking about 518 using the Old Testament prophets uh, as examples. But nonetheless, it, there's just that glaring uh, comparison there, especially when it talks about do not oppress the, the, the sojourner, do not oppress the alien. Yeah, that's bring them across the border. What are you bringing them across the border for? We want to give them freedom too. How about just leaving my freedom alone before you're driving me into a, a lower class? And bringing the aliens, it's like, uh, I think you're working everybody against, and the, well, you know, the elite. Nonetheless, here we go, chapter 11, 7, verse 11. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. Now, see that chapter 7, verse 11? That is just the, not, I don't say the opposite, but we talked about they stopped it. And because they stopped hearing God, God says, okay. I'm going to stop you from hearing. Uh, and again, that, that doesn't happen in a sense simultaneously. They're going to take this action first. And, and, a, and a culture, a, a generation, an individual can say no to God, no to God, no to God, until finally God says, you're not going to listen? Okay, now you can't hear. And I'm just going to keep on talking. But the more I talk and explain things, it's just going to create a, a sense of a place of judgment for you. But here it talks right here. God says here, they made their hearts, excuse me, let's go back to chapter 7, verse 11, on page 6. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might hear. So, they refused to pay attention, turned a stubborn shoulder, and stopped their ears so they could not hear. They, they could hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. They could hear, but they stopped hearing. Uh, some things describing that, uh, some points there. Turn to stubborn shoulder is literally, they presented a stubborn shoulder. Nehemiah, who's going to come very shortly after this, Nehemiah, right here, not shortly, but 445, we're in 518, you know, within, you know, 70 years. Uh, Nehemiah referred to it as they turned their backs. Moses called it a stiff-necked people. So if it be a presenting a stubborn shoulder, uh, 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 turn their backs, 
uh, a stiff neck. It's all the same idea. They just bristled up and turned their shoulders, braced themselves against God. Now, when you're fasting, the idea would be you'd be doing just the opposite of this. Instead of being fasting, would humble yourself. Instead of being a stiff-necked person, you're fasting and humbling yourself and turning towards God so He can uh, rebuke you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what? That's why. Yeah, you go to God for rebuke. I'm here for uh, my monthly rebuking. And it's like, here's what you need to improve. Okay, okay, okay. And you take it to heart and begin to make changes. A stiff-necked person or a, a, uh, someone that's turning their shoulder to God, when they fasted, they wouldn't listen. They would just present you know, their own ideas. Or if God was trying to speak to them through a prophet, they would come up with reasons or excuses why they didn't need to listen. And so that, that's a good comparison of what fasting should be in the true sense of turning uh, a, a soft shoulder to God or letting God reposition you, correct you. Uh, not, not in a bad way, but just, you know, how, geez, those I love, I, uh, Proverbs, those I love, I rebuke. Those I love, I correct. You know, the, the thing your high school coach always told you, you know, the, the day I stop hollering at you in practice is the day that you're in trouble. Because he's not going to, the kid that he's not planning on using, he's not going to spend time chewing you out, hollering at you. It's like, you're never going to be in the game. It's never going to come down to you. But you, we're counting on you, and you're going to get your butt chewed. This guy, yeah, just thanks for coming out. Uh, you know, take some team photos. Have, but the guy that they're counting on is going to get rebuked. And so when God rebukes you, uh, that's, that's, that's a, what is it, chapter 11 of Hebrews, the same idea, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Uh, the son, if you're a son, you can expect to be corrected. What, what, a, a son that's not corrected that doesn't have a father. And you have a father in heaven. And so your father will rebuke you. Okay, uh, where am I at? Okay, stop their ears that they may not hear. Isaiah 6.10. Uh, uh, the Lord responded to the people, closing their ears and hardening their hearts because the people had first closed their ears and hardened their heart. And here's that verse, Isaiah 6.10. It's on point B, middle of page Six that we referred to last night in Mark. Jesus says it after the parable of the sower. Uh, the parables make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. Otherwise, if I didn't blind them, they could turn and repent. And I don't want them to repent. I wanted them to. That's why I rebuked them. I wanted them to repent. But when they decided not to repent, not to respond, okay, now I'm going to keep talking, but you won't be able to hear because I don't want you to repent because I want to take you to judgment. It's like, well, what happens if they repent? Well, they've already gone far enough that they're not going to, and God is going to continue to work with them, but lead them to judgment. So there's that verse right there, and that's what happened. They stopped their ears, and so the Lord stopped their ears, and they'll never hear. And the next thing comes is judgment. Um, and then in 7.12, it says, right, next verse, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the lost, and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So there again, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear. Meaning if they hadn't made their hearts hard, they would have heard the word of the Lord. And notice, this is the first time, not the first time, but yeah, it's the first time, the most unique way, where this, the prophets are communicating by the spirit. The prophets are speaking, but the New Testament picks this up and develops it. But here's in Zechariah, which is interesting. It's in Zechariah here at this point where the prophets, it was just the word of the Lord coming to them and they were speaking it. But now we see it was the word of the Lord and the spirit of God speaking through the prophets, which Peter addresses, speaking through the prophets. Uh, so they were not just rejecting the word of the Lord or the man of God. They're rejecting the spirit of God, even in the Old Testament. And that's where Jesus, you know, we saw that in Matthew or Mark chapter 3. Uh, when they, the Spirit of God is moving and they accredit it to Beelzebub and he said that you've, you've sinned against the Spirit of God. He's, you've hardened your heart. You've turned your shoulder. You've stopped your ears against the Spirit of God and it, it, there's that unforgivable sin. There's that line. Now God is going to harden your heart, block your ears, and you will not hear. And it all lines up as far as the pattern of how it works. Old Testament, Gospels, New Testament. Um, right above uh, chapter 7 verse 12 there's point C I write about 7 12 there in, in order so I've got those three points 
But the opposite of a hard heart in Scripture is in Psalm 34 and Psalm 51, there's your verses right there, is a broken heart. Instead of a hard heart would be a broken heart. So again, you come to God in fasting. You don't come with a hard heart. You come with a broken heart. I'm going to uh, not harden my heart. I'm not going to turn my shoulder. I'm going to come with a broken heart. And now all of a sudden, God can work with that. God can fix. God can rebuke a broken heart or correct discipline a broken heart and put you in the right place. Again, don't think of this as a negative thing. Uh, The other would be a circumcised heart from Deuteronomy and other places. And Ezekiel talks about a heart of flesh, which is compared to a new heart that can receive a new spirit. So a new heart, a heart of flesh, a circumcised heart, a broken heart are all the opposites of the hard hearts or the hearts that are diamond hard, which is interesting that that's the phrase used in Zacharias, diamond hard. Uh, lest they should hear the law and the word. So if they did not have, if they had a broken heart, a circumcised heart, a new heart, they would hear the word of the Lord and the words would then penetrate their hearts and make a change in them. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. Again, because they did those things, they, they, they turned a stubborn shoulder, they stopped up their ears, they made their hearts as hard as a diamond, even while they're fasting. Because remember, you go back to Isaiah, they were on the Temple Mount, they were having assemblies, they were praying, but they had a hard heart, they didn't want to hear the word, they didn't want to change, they just wanted God to come and bless them. This is where we're at, which is a huge difference. This is where I'm at, we can hear people talk like this. This is what I believe. This is what I'm doing. I want God. I believe in Jesus. I I believe in God. I want God to come and bless this. Let's pray and ask God to bless this. It's like, wait, no. I need you to soften your heart, open your ears, and turn to me with a broken heart so I can rebuke you and tell you what I want you to do. Now that's where the power is at. The power is not saying, well, we're going to stand here by faith and we're going to ask God to bless this right here. It's like, now that's fine if you have in a sense, fasted, had a broken heart, sought God, you've softened your shoulder to God, and He's rebuked you, disciplined you, corrected you, and now you know, now you can stand it, because that's where God put you, if that makes sense. Uh, And these people, in Isaiah, we just read it, they're on the Temple Mount, they're praying, they're celebrating, they're offering feasts, they're pouring out drink offerings, and God says, "I'm, I'm tired of your assemblies, I'm tired, we would say it this way, I'm tired of your church services. That, you know, we don't have a temple. They, we have church. Or it's like, well, we're in church doing all these things. God says, that's not even what I want. You're, you're bringing me and saying, this is what I want you to do for me. He says, I want you. Are you fasting for yourself or are you fasting for God? Are you having church for God to come do what you want? Or are you having church to humble yourself, hear the word of God, and so change and find out what God wants? The former generation refused to listen. They hardened their hearts, their minds, their will. Uh, they could not hear the law. They could not hear the words of the Lord. They could not hear the Spirit of the Lord. They could not hear the prophets. Uh, and then I just write there, Mark 4, all those verses. We talked about all that stuff last night. Chapter 7, verse 13. As they called and they would not hear, so they called and I would not hear. See right there, that's chap- page 7, chapter 7, verse 17. As I called, they would not hear. So God was calling them. They refused to hear. So when they turn to God and says, hey, we want you, God says, I don't hear. We just read that in Isaiah. When you pray, I will not listen. And then we've got the, the great line in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 1, talking about, you guys know that verse. It's chapter, chapter 1 of Proverbs. Um, I, I, I put it to music one time. Um, I won't, I'll spare you. But uh, it was a pretty cool song. It was a pretty powerful song. <laughs> kind of snappy, kind of sassy. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm just singing the NIV translation. So it's just, I'm just singing the NIV translation, and uh, not now, not, not tonight, but in this song. I think you find it online somewhere. Um, but uh, chapter 1 of Proverbs, verse 23. If you had responded to my rebuke, see right here? If you responded to my rebuke, if you'd had a broken heart, a a soft shoulder when I rebuked you. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. You would have been able to think with me. 
But since you rejected me when I called, since you rejected me when I rebuked you, I mean, imagine, what, God is going to rebuke me? Well, I thought we had a good God. Okay, well, wait, well, let's think about who me is. Think about me. I, I'm a fallen creature. I'm a man. I'm still struggling to just learn things in the natural world. In fact, I mean, I look at people all the time. I see it's like, man, I wish I was that smart. Man, I wish I would have thought of that. It's like, I constantly, we all are, surrounded by examples of, huh, I'm a failure. Not, not, you know, I'm not being negative here, but it's like, could have done that so much better. I, I could have, you look back at your life. I made decisions. It's like, hmm, there's a lot of things. I, is there anything in your life you'd like to go back and change? It's like, well, right there, it's like, I've lived a great life. It's like, well, yeah, I like my life, but as I look back, there's some things I would have done differently. So I can rebuke myself. I mean, standing here as a fallen man made of dirt, I can look back at myself, I can look at myself and go, man, you've got some things you haven't done right. You've got some things you can work on. That's me evaluating myself. Now you take God Almighty, and he looks at me, and he says, there's some things we can change. It's like, whoa, you talking to me? You're going to rebuke me? It's like, I mean, that, that, that's, there's only one thing God can do is rebuke me because I mean, I'm so far from him. Now, I'm, I'm in Christ, I'm born again, I'm a son of God, but even Hebrews chapter 12, a, a father's going to discipline his son because he's trying to make you improve. Okay, but since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, would not accept my rebuke, okay, I in turn, since I was trying to keep you from going to disaster, but since you wouldn't listen... I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop. Can I help you? You, re you rejected me. You rebuked me back. Okay. <laughs> Get some popcorn. Let's watch this. And God has said, I'm just enjoying the show of watching you just fall into oblivion. I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. Watch. Now, you say, well, this is not very Christ-like. Well, this is, this is wisdom speaking. Christ is wisdom this is the person of the second member of the trinity speaking these words theologically you can't get away from that i in turn will laugh at your disaster i will mock when calamity overtakes you when calamity overtakes you like a storm when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind when distress and trouble overwhelm you then they will call to me but i will not answer they will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge, they did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. You wanted it, you planted it, you grew it, you eat it. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, the complacency of the fool will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, one more chance, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And that's the end of that chapter right there. But anyway, chapter 7, verse 13, page 7. As I called and they would not hear, so they called and I would not hear. It's exactly the Lord is speaking in Zechariah, the same thing he's saying in Proverbs. I, I tried to help you and you wouldn't listen to me. Okay, let's try it the other way. Now you speak to me. Yeah, I ain't listening to you either. It's exactly the same thing. Says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavenly armies. He's reaching out, trying to help these people, trying to rebuke them so that they will repent and change. But if they won't, he says, your forefathers didn't. Now here it is. He's talking about their forefathers. But they are in a position right now that they're about to do the same thing. We've been fasting are we done fasting? No, you're not done fasting. Were you even fasting for me? No, you were fasting for yourself. You, felt, you were feeling sorry for yourself. Your fasting was not turning a soft shoulder to me, a broken heart saying, how can I change? Will you rebuke me? Will you correct me? How can I become the person you want me to be? You're like, oh, our forefathers did so many wicked things. Glad we're not like them. We've got such a hard lot. We're in the foreign country. Someday we'll go back. Woe is us. Woe is us. It's like, okay, you're fasting for your, you're just feeling sorry for yourself. Forget your forefathers. What about you? Well, you know, who knows what I could have been if my forefathers hadn't sinned. 
It's like, never mind, you're not, you're not doing it. And that's what they hear. Uh, should we keep fasting? Okay, uh, you never really were fasting. For all those 70 years, the fifth month, the seventh month, he's going to name two more. He says there was nothing there. He says you weren't fasting. You were just feeling sorry for yourself. Now your forefathers, they fasted, but they never listened to me when a prophet sent. And here's what happened to them. I called and they would not hear, so they called and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. Chapter 7, verse 14. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. And now that's what you've been brought back to. And now you're in the same position. They didn't listen when I rebuked them. They didn't repent. And that's what happened. Now, you haven't fasted correctly either. Either are you going to do these things, show justice, make right decisions, be merciful, not oppress, not plan evil. That's what I'm looking at. It's the same message. And so he leaves off saying, this is what they did, and this is how I responded. And their question was, should we keep fasting? He says, well, here, let me read this right here. Chapter, bottom of page 7. Point 1. What began with a simple question about fasting, was it time to stop fasting? became a rebuke from the Lord that basically states to the people of 518 the same warning with the same threat of judgment that their forefathers had received. The people of 518 were not ready for the kingdom or ready to stop fasting, since they really hadn't fasted. In fact, the people of 518 were in need of correcting the very same errors their fathers had made that resulted in 70 years of captivity. They've just come back and are in the exact same position and ready to make the exact same mistakes Otherwise, God would not have said this right here. It was easy to fast and mourn the things that they had lost. It was a totally different thing to fast in order to face God's demand and understand his expectations. So now, turn the page. Yes, turn the page. And I don't, this is chapter 8. We're, we're done here now. Uh, I want to just set the stage for the next two uh, messages. This is chapter 8. The first bullet point on chapter 7, what we just talked about here in chapter 7, was uh, the rebuke and the repentance. And they're being told right here, he leaves it right there. You're in the same position. Your forefathers, they didn't listen, I didn't listen to them, and I drove them out. Now, what are you, are you going to listen? And if they'll listen, uh, they'll be restored. Chapter 7, at the top of that page, it says Zechariah 8. Chapter 7 focused on Judah repenting and living righteously in response to the past. So this is their past right here. Now, you need to repent and start living justly because of your past. And they should understand that. Now things are going to change, just like they always do in the prophets. The next two are going to be about restoration and the kingdom. That's what chapter 8 is about. And what this is now, I've got the next bullet point. Chapter 8 focuses on Judah repenting and living righteously in response to the promised future. This is where you came from. You need to repent and start living righteously because this is where you came from. This is where you're going. What should you do? You should repent and start living righteously. Look back. Don't be like that. Repent and live righteously. We're going here. So what should we do? repent and start living righteously and so uh the restoration of israel in 518 what just took place in 518 reflecting now down to this chapter 8 uh is symbolic of a future restoration uh and the kingdom age when righteousness and justice and peace will fill not only judah but the whole world when they get to this point right here they are going to have been made righteous like in christ they will have no other nature there's still some pressure on them here, just like pressure on us. We still have a sin nature. But we are heading to a place where the sin nature is going to be removed and we will be righteous. Here, we still have to deal with repentance and seeking God. Here, we will be living in the kingdom. Um, and then there's the next, next 23 verses. Uh, I'm going to read through them. Just read through them. No comment. They break into two sections. Talking about there will be a restoration, which is interesting because... They're, they just, they're in the middle of a restoration. See? They, they came back in 537, and it's 518. We're, rebuilding, we're being restored. 
No, no. We're, this is just symbolic of a bigger restoration that's going to come. This is just returning to the land, but there's a day coming where the king is going to come and set up a kingdom in this land. And so they should be understanding that they are still in this, this intermediate stage where they've got a past, but there's a great future that how far out there, but it's not today yet. It's just like we are in a great place. I mean, we, we're in the church age. We're, we're saved by grace. We have the Spirit of God. Great place to be in history. There's a past, but there's also a, a distant future. Uh, how distant, I don't know. Here we go. Chapter 8. I'm going to read through it very quickly. And the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, this is, just a, this is just the third and fourth part of this response to the question about should we keep fasting. And there's several places in here it's going to say the Lord of hosts, saying the Lord of hosts. It's repeated several times. There's two basic parts, though. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with a great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with a great wrath. Meaning, I, I want Jerusalem. There's definitely a plan for Jerusalem. That's my whole intention. Uh, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. That's where we're heading. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people, in 518, in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord. Just because I say these things, and, and you're in 518, says, how, how? He says, yeah, I understand why you won't understand it, but it's not marvelous in my eyes. I know exactly what I'm doing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I'll bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and righteousness. Again, restoration. I'm bringing my people back. Not just from Babylon, but from the West also. What's that? What's the West dispersion? Well, that could be, you know, that's a future dispersion. It hasn't even happened yet, potentially. Um, Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 9, Let your hands be strong, because this is true, let your hands be strong. You who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid, the temple that the temple might be built. You're in 518, hearing these words of the prophets of the temple. You be strong. You've got to be strong today because of where we're going. For before these days, there was no wage for man and any wage for beast. Neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord. For there shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit, the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and the house of Israel, no, notice he includes both the northern ten tribes, Israel and Judah, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. That's talking about what he's going to do for this, this people that he just told, he just rebuked them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purposed to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts, so again I have purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. Chapter 8, verse 16. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. In other words, we haven't got off it. You need to speak truth to one another. Render in the gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. There's that social justice. He's not saying I need more sacrifices. I need you to run the society the right way. Chapter 8, verse 19. Now he's going to mention the feast, or excuse me, the fast. And remember, he, they mentioned one in the fifth month. The Lord responded by mentioning the fifth and seventh month. 
Now the Lord, in chapter 18, 8, verse 19, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall, no, shall, be, excuse me, shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Those fasts, those, that one fast, those two fasts, in fact, all four of the fasts that you've been remembering for all these years, they're not going to be fasts anymore. They're going to be festivals. They're going to be, you're going to remember these were the days that the Lord judged us because we were wrong. And look what it produced. Look at the harvest it's produced. You're going to have festivals around those days that were days of fasting. Therefore, because that's true, love truth and love peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, even inhabitants of many cities. Now, see right here, we were talking about the restoration. Now we're talking about the kingdom. In the kingdom, these fast days will be feast days. So to answer, should we, fa- should we, shall we continue to fast? Yeah, probably right now because you still are, need, are going to be re- rebuked and need to repent. But the day is going to come where our repenting and rebuking is over and then we will turn those fasts into feast. Even the fast that you came up with yourself, we're going to turn those into feast days because we'll be in the kingdom. But not only will Israel be in the kingdom, this is, comes into what James was talking about in, in, in Acts chapter 15. Uh, when the kingdom comes, it's not just going to be Israel. He says, chapter 8, verse 20, 20, thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples, Gentiles, nations, shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities around the world. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. And what that means is the Lord is in Jerusalem, in his kingdom, and people from all the cities around the world says, he's got the answers. I mean, he's not going to come back with them. And watch this. You can disagree with this. But when Jesus returns, he's not going to come back with a magic wand and we're going to go into some magic land. It's going to be this world. It's going to be this, this scientific principles. Now, he is going to remove the curse, but it's going to be the world he created. We're going to have to plant seeds. There's going to be harvest. There's going to be business there's gonna be transportation there's gonna be real time but he is gonna be here and he's gonna do with the earth what adam could have done with the earth instead of turning it into a curse he's gonna take it and it's going to multiply in all kinds of blessings and that's why he's in jerusalem if if you want to read it literally nations go let's go ask him some questions we're having trouble with he well i'm gonna go and they ask him questions, and he's going to just, just like the nations came to Solomon, and Solomon dispensed his wisdom, that was a symbol of what Jesus will be. And it says right here, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. Now, they're not going to just go pray and honor and worship him, that would be included, but they're going to say, how can we fix our transportation problems? How can we fix our immigration problems? How can we fix this economy? Well, here's some things you can do. And it's like, and they're going to come back and apply. And then another the country, look, what did you guys do? We went and asked the Lord. He created it, and he's got the answers. Let us go at once and entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Chapter 8, verse 22. Many peoples and strong nations shall come. See, many peoples, nations, Gentiles, and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord. Notice he does not do away with nations. The answer is not globalism. The answer is nations following the principles of God. The institutions, which includes na- nations. So anytime you see, we've got to get rid of borders, we've got to get rid of nations, that's evil. That is Satan trying to rebuild the Tower of Babel that God sent into confusion. When Jesus comes, he's still not going to do away with nations. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, if I'm reading it literally. Because it says many peoples and strong nations. It doesn't say weak nations that were crushed and their borders destroyed and they were incorporated in this worldwide empire under Jesus. He is going to be king of the world, but more like an emperor of the world with kings under him. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. How do we fix this? Please tell us. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days 
ten men from one nation of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a jew saying let us go with you for we have heard that god is with you first the restoration of the jews and then all the other kingdoms will see what god is doing in israel it's like they'll come and take take hold of a, a take us show us your lord show us what he's doing we want to do that in our nations that's and for that reason because that's where you are headed in 518 zachariah and uh, and joshua the priest and that delegation from bethel since that's where you're heading today repent and do righteousness repent and do righteous because of the past you saw what happened so repent and do the right thing this is where you're going so repent and be righteous that's the theme of chapter 7 and 8 so i'll quit with that and we'll come back and spend a little more time in chapter 8 next week and uh and we got some deep scriptures coming in the rest of the book up to chapter 14 which gives some eschatology i'll pray and, and we're done father we do thank you for the chance to look into your word we thank you for the chance to be here we do ask that we take these things to heart, that we'd allow it to penetrate our heart and form our way of thinking and form the way we live and make decisions. Again, we do thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word and ask that we may humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be led and disciplined and guided by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.